This is Let Your Voice Be Heard, right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. Seriously, good morning. Good morning. Welcome. Happy Daylight Saving. Oh, God, don't remind me. I am still recovering, but I'm so happy to be here. Welcome to Let Your Voice Be Heard, where we talk politics, social issues, foreign policy, pop culture, and we do that from a very diverse, multicultural perspective. My name is Selena Hill. You can find me on Instagram, at Miss Selena Hill. And shout out to all of my followers. Day by day, it just keeps growing. And oh, <laughs> thank you guys. You're so for popular. On Instagram. Oh, You're yeah. so famous. Well, my name is Stanley Fritz. Um, I'm also on Instagram. I'm booked and busy. No, I'm not. Just kidding. I'm broke. <laughs> Go ahead, Selena. Finish your introduction. Oh, I was done. That's oh. pretty much done. You're Stanley? done? Okay. Yeah, this is Stanley Fritz, your favorite engineer on the PC ones and twos. And I am also the whisperer of the ratchet musics. So trust me, I will make sure it's rocking on here. But you want Facebook Live on here because Facebook doesn't let us play music. But anyways, if you want to find me, you can find me on the Twitter streets at Stan Fritz. You can find me on the IG streets at Stan Fritz. If you want to find me on the Facebook space where I talk garbage all day, it is Stanley Goodhair Fritz because of a college mistake. And of course, <laughs> Snapchat still exists and I don't really use it. But Stanley, it are you hot? You you in the Am Scully, up in well, the, the warm studio? I don't like. I, I feel pretty cool right now. He also has. Oh, you guys close the door. And he also has a sweatshirt on that says "Black men don't cheat." We don't. I I love that. Sweatshirt. According to Jet Magazine, one hundred and fifty percent of black men are faithful mm, in right. everything. Wow. Right. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Alyssa. Well, good morning. Good uh, morning. Uh, I, I still think I have the best shirt on right now. I don't know. Stanley's tops yours. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It says um, P-H-U-C-K-I-N-G vote. And, um, that, and I was literally about to like, I was thinking she of the She was going to say it out loud. I'm like, what is this? And then we would have had to blurt it out. Yeah. And yep. then you would have missed this next Finger seven on that seconds drop button. It's a profane show. word, guys. Um, it, it is? <laughs> I didn't know. No, for those who like... Because the spelling. The the FCC says we're not allowed to say that word on the radio, but you can read it on my shirt if you're watching on Facebook Live. Anyways, I am your political legal correspondent, um, and I am very chipper, even though we lost an hour of sleep. <laughs> um, <laughs> if you can't tell, that's Speak called caffeine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Just in case coffee. everybody needed to know. Um, you can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash Alyssa Fuchs. That's I L Y. S S A F U C H S, not spelt P H, not spelt with the K. Um, and you can also find me on Twitter at Alyssa Fuchs. Again, that's I L Y S S A F U C H S, or on Instagram, Alyssa.Fuchs, spelled the same way. I will not spell it a third time. Um, and of course, you can also leave a comment on the Politically Preposterous fan page. That's Facebook.com slash Politically Preposterous or at Poll Preposterous on Twitter. I just want to tell Amy my shirt. My hoodie is not anti black. Thank yeah, you very much. What the hey, what is you that are about? Um, black men don't cheat. We are lovers of blackness. Hello. I <laughs> Hello. I'm also a lover of blackness. Um, my name is Jackie Cohen. I am political correspondent for the show. It, I haven't been here in so long, you guys. When, yeah, Have we, you been yeah, here in 2019? Yeah. I, you was quit? <laughs> no, I was in, in January right. a couple times, but I think all of February I missed. Um, it's so a I'm short very, month. It's a short month. I'm very black who missed Black History Month. Listen, mm. <laughs> I was out celebrating. I couldn't be here. <laughs> um, so I've been very, very happy to be back. And I'm very, very tired and missing that one hour sleep that I oh, desperately but, needed. But seriously. But guys, you know what this means? It spring. Means spring. Spring is, is coming. Sprunging and spring is sprunging. Spring exactly. Is sprunging. Not but, in um, New York City. But also, you're going to get an hour of extra daylight every day. That that's true. That's that's a good thing. But anyway, you should follow nice. me on Twitter. Follow me on Instagram at Jackie Cohen. I spell it J-A-Q-I-C-O-H-E-N. Tweet at me. 
you know, tweet your love. Tweet yes. your questions. Tweet, tweet your, your complaints about Please them. do yeah. not tweet your complaints. <laughs> I knew that was coming and do not do you that. You set yourself up for I it. I know. <laughs> Uh, do not anyway. do not send her your complaints. Send them to at Andro, Andrew Cuomo. <laughs> or call 1 800 223 No, that? no, no. We don't want people to. Oh, wait. Never mind. Was that our phone that's number? Hot 97? No, that's Hot 97. <laughs> <laughs> Am I the only one who listens to Hot 97? No, I knew it was. It took me a second to connect. <laughs> no, no, no. But seriously, if you have any complaints about the MTA, that's at Andrew Cuomo on Twitter. I think right. it's NYGov or something. And then for those who don't know, Jackie is actually spearheading the MTA Strap Hangers campaign. Yeah. So that's why we always poke fun at her. And every time I think of um, when I'm crossing a bridge, I think of Jackie. Oh, my God. I think of congestion so pricing. That's <laughs> so funny. I don't know. Yeah. It's no, true, I mean, I think I, I have a very New York job, which is that I get paid to complain about the subway professionally, which is something. I mean, I mean we all kind of do. As a, like, as a Jewish woman, I just want to kvetch about the subway I mean, all the it's, time. It's so truly, you actually it's get truly paid the greatest job on earth. Jackie to, gets paid to uh, not, not very much, but I do <laughs> to, to complain about it. So it's Well, it's your great. work is very appreciated, Jackie. <laughs> By some people. Um, well, you ride the subway, don't you? I ride my bike. Yeah. So do I, but mm. not when it's snowing out. So yeah. anyway, what are we talking about today, guys? We have a great show lined up. We're going to be talking about reparations. It is time, and I know that a lot of the political candidates are talking about it. Um, a lot of them are just, like, skirting around it, but we want to talk about real ways to implement and execute reparations and if it's economically feasible. If you ask me, it's definitely overdue, and I think there are ways that <clears throat> we could um, – Really talk, have a, a real discussion about reparations. So we're going to talk about that. Of course, everyone is still buzzing and talking about R. Kelly's explosive interview. Mm. Uh, if anyone caught SNL last night, like I did, the cold open was um, that interview. Like they did, a, they did a really good job just mocking R. Kelly um, and all of that. So, yeah, we have a great show lined up. And, of course, if you want to let your voice be heard, you can do so if you're watching us via Facebook Live right now. Leave those comments. You can also call us up at 212-650-6903. Yep. And you can tweet us at BeHeard. Underscore. Radio. And I want to say I wasn't here last week, so I'm very happy to be here as well. Aww. Where were you last week? You were all workationing in Vegas. No, no, with, I was really working. With she fancy w- people. She was, like, taking photos with Stacey Abrams, Kamala Harris. She was from the top. The but at least video. Alyssa actually liked my photo. Thank you, Alyssa. Like thir- not 30, Stanley. 36 oh, purposefully did not like oh, my photo. Look at that. It's time to go to break. We'll be right back, guys. <laughs> and we are back on Let Your Voice so Be Heard. Crazy. If you're listening on the podcast, absolutely nothing happened. Right, Facebook <laughs> Live people? You know, sometimes white people get things right, like EDM music on certain songs. And guys, we are not just here to talk about EDM music. We are here to talk about the news stories that got you the most upset or excited or confused this week. And it's News Roundup. Selena, give it to me. Starting with R. Kelly. So, of course, R. Kelly had, uh, he's finally. I'm fighting for my life, Selena. He's finally speaking out. Apparently, he's fighting for his life. He pulled his performance during that Gail King um, interview was. I don't, it was honestly, I was like, it was great. out of control. It, it was, was, but it was great acting. Like, I don't know if he was acting, but for him to be able to tap say, that deep into emotion, do you think and he express was, it? I just feel like, and and I, I think Stanley shared like something, saying sort of the same thing that like you. That's not like the the behavior of an innocent person, right? Yeah. To like right. explode in that sort of like outrageous way. That's not, you know, he's clearly like he's 
he's fighting against what people are saying about him, but like that's not. Oh god. I act the uh, same way when Marilyn asked me why I didn't take out the garbage. I'm like, I'm fighting for my life. <laughs> You gotta get defend. You get you get that good defensive bag. You get little tears out. Then you don't get in trouble for doing stuff you're supposed to do. I mean, look, I, I'll say this as as a criminal defense attorney. There's a court of public opinion and there's a court of law. Right. And, and in the court of law, he is looked at as innocent until proven guilty beyond reasonable doubt. And as he should be um, in the court of public opinion, we have the ability to discuss whether or not we think he made himself look more or less quote unquote guilty in that interview um, but I will say this if you're charged with a crime you probably shouldn't do a public interview on TV and I wonder what lawyer of his told him this was a good idea because my thought is his lawyer probably said eh, you shouldn't do this interview and he was like I'm going to do it anyway which you know speaks to his ego yeah. and just how big it is because really the truth is if you are facing criminal charges you should not go on TV mm. and publicly right. say anything about those charges because you know that part of you know law and order that everybody always remembers anything you can say can and will be used against you in a court of law yeah so that happens and so anything he says in this interview could potentially use it be used against him in the well hold case. on just because he did an interview doesn't mean that he had women in his basement locked up in cages tied up in chains who couldn't come up or eat or sleep or anything like that no one said anything like that all right unless they needed shoes from the store exactly it isn't like he said right. that on live television uh, well, in between tears what i found i guess the most disturbing was the interview interview that Gail did with two of uh, the victims who are currently living with him now. They call themselves his girlfriends and like they one was really defensive like Gail was like so you know you two do you share him and she they were like yeah and then they were like do you share him in the bedroom and she was like first of all Gail you're not gonna talk about what I do in the bedroom because as a woman we don't talk about that wait she came to her as yes. a woman she was like she was like would you talk about what you do in the bedroom as a woman Gail? hold on hold on hold on first of all <laughs> negro facts when someone comes to you as a woman you gotta hang up the phone <laughs> everyone knows that <laughs> but that's what she said and then the other woman the other young woman who is 21 mm -hmm. she said seemed like she was trying to follow a script and she seemed like she was getting choked up and then it turns out Gail said during that interview R. Kelly was creepily walking behind them and coughing loudly to remind them that he could hear them. So, she, <laughs> so basically what Gail was saying is that he was intimidating them right, during the interview right. from outside the door. Yo, I know he can't read, but he can't be this dumb. I mean, look, I just want to remind you, Aaliyah's first album was called Age Ain't Nothing But a Number. So, I mean, look. <laughs> and and there's a lot of people that are talking about these women and saying, well, why are they defending him? Why are they saying all this stuff? But I think that there is, I mean, like, these women, if they are being abused, right, which there's a lot of reason to believe that they are, um, you know, if this is like an abuser tactic to get women to depend on them to um, or to get the person that they're abusing to depend on them and to sort of psychologically abuse them as well, not just physically. And so if it's very likely that he's abusing them emotionally so that they're not going to speak out against right. him. And I'll just point out that, you know, that's why New York actually has a mandatory arrest policy for all domestic violence allegations. Wow. I didn't know that. And of, abu uh, of abuse by a domestic partner. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like the idea being that sometimes women would call the police and then when the police would get there, they'd be like, no, 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 no I recant. I recant. Yeah. And so New York passed this policy that says if you make a phone call or if somebody else calls the police and reports a domestic violence incident, the police have to make an arrest. Even if later on it turns out that the allegations were untrue, it's basically for the court system and the judicial system to sort that out, not for the police to sort that out because they don't want to get in a situation where a woman is being abused, calls the police, then recants when the police show up because she 
she doesn't want her significant other to be arrested. And then it turns out he continues to abuse her and she ends up injured or worse. Um, and mm-hmm. so that's why we have that policy in, in, in New York. But well, um, speaking of uh, oh, oh, before before we get there, I, I do want to um, uh, just mention two comments. Justin Toro says, how about him lurking in the background, though? Shake my right. head. And Edward Fitzgerald says, uh, didn't R. Kelly admit to buying humans? Um, I, I don't know the oh, answer yeah, he to did. that. But what the Wait, he what? was like, what kind of father would let me buy her daughter? Because that's what he did. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was, I think, a really interesting part of this, too, is that he, you know, talked about how he has done nothing wrong, th- nothing wrong whatsoever, and then sort part. of goes into, well, these parents let this happen. It's their fault. That, yeah. and, like, as if his behavior was inevitable. It's just that the parents are the ones that messed up by letting him do, you know, he's going to do what he's going to do, and the parents were the ones that well, should have been looking out. Well, speaking of court and holding people accountable for abuses, mm-hmm. uh, someone who has not been held accountable is Paul Manafort, who we learned has been sentenced to just four years in prison, despite the fact of stealing money, helping to steal an election, and uh, oh. and all and corruption for decades. Right, and you know, a lot of criminal defense attorneys have pointed this out on Twitter um, and on other social media platforms. Uh, you know, one criminal defense attorney who I know very well, his name is Scott Hessinger, he's with the Brooklyn Defenders, tweeted that, just for context, one of his clients got, you know, basically six years in prison, although he, he tweeted it actually out in months, and I, I can't, I don't have the tweet in front of me at the moment, uh, for like stealing an ice cream bar. And so this just goes back to the fact that black people who commit low level nonviolent infractions for things like theft, um, when it's, you know, you know, or for drugs, uh, um, are sentenced to far longer amounts of time in state prisons, which is obviously far worse than where Paul Manafort's going to go. Um, I mean, these are white color. He's going to camp or camp cupcake, as we call it. (laughs) Is that really why? Cupcake? Yeah, because, you know, it's light work. Yeah, it's easy. It's easy to do your time. They have like baseball and basketball leagues. They have classes. They have arts and it's great is it like a country club my friend was in federal prison for a couple of years for you know allegedly he he was actually there but um um, can I just just add to the fact that he has less time than the black woman who got five years for voting illegally so apparently she was formerly incarcerated she thought she was eligible to vote she was not she didn't know she voted and now she's doing five years and she just lost her appeal to this vote as well wow yeah and she's serving five years and he's serving yeah, barely. He's not, and he's not going to do the whole. He's not going to do the right, right. Which you know, not for nothing. This is just another element of the re- the reparations conversation that we're yeah. going to talk about. Yep. Is that even though you know, really, the context of our conversation is going to be about historical and what we should do now. Um, the criminal justice system continues to perpetuate Jim Crow, and there continues to be a situation where there's unequal justice depending on the color of your skin. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, on that note, I know we do have to take a quick break. Uh, we will come back and talk about reparations but i did want to just mention really quickly amy jones on our facebook live she wrote something about r kelly that i can't help but to agree with she says he's a narcissistic gaslighting serial pedophile Mm. that's a great way to sum it up thank you for that amy allegedly allegedly i mean is it still allegedly we gotta we we, legally speaking it is legally speaking yes in the court of public opinion you can speak your words absolutely nasty nasty all right guys so don't go anywhere this is let your voice be heard when we come back, we're going to be talking about reparations. Is it time? Better have my money. <laughs> you better have my money. <laughs> 
Money. We are back on Let's Your Voice. We heard on 90.3 FM. WHCR, the voice of Harlem. If you are wondering why I'm singing that song in such an aggressively caucasitous voice, it is because (laughs) we are talking about reparations. And I wanted to imagine what a whitey white man would sound like singing Rihanna's Itch Better Have My Money. I thought, Chick Better Have My Money. But like, mock me, lady, tonight. But anyways, guys, Ooh, we, we are not <laughs> we are not here to um take all the spice out of Rihanna's food. <laughs> I just want to do two things right now before we jump into the segment. One, I want to tell you that last week, Alyssa Fuchs and my friend Meredith Barnes said that box macaroni and cheese was delicious. And I told you how deep racism is in America because they thought box macaroni and cheese is good. And the second thing is that we are here to talk about reparations, but not in the way that they would do it in mainstream America where they ask the question and so Someone says yes or no, and then they move on. But we want to actually have a deep-seated conversation about whether it makes sense, how much money would go out, who would get paid if it was even money, and why there are some people who don't even want to support this, i.e. most white people. Now, the way we got to this conversation is because a lot of the presidential candidates, i.e. Elizabeth Warren, Cory Booker, and Kamala Harris, have already said they support this. There is also another candidate. He's a little bit less on mainstream, Andy Yang. He says he supports Mm -hmm. reparations. Bernie Sanders did an interview on The Breakfast Club, and I'm going to play the clip in about two seconds in which they asked him why he doesn't support reparations. And Bernie says he's not interested in just giving somebody a check. That was Bernie's response to the question about reparations. Mm -hmm. And it's got a lot of us people who feel like reparations is deserved, i.e. me, and probably most of the people in the studio thinking, well, why doesn't Bernie support it and if his criticism is right? So before we jump into this segment, I want you guys to just have a second to hear exactly what Bernie is saying about reparations and why he supports it or not. So take this clip for what it is, and then we'll jump right in, guys, all right? Cool. Now, why does it seem like this week you've been kind of dodging the reparations question? The Senator Harris and Senator Warren have both kind of spoken out and said that they agree with some form of reparations. Well, what the question is, what do we... I'm not dodging the question. The mm-hmm. question is, what do we mean by reparations? I mean, it, it, it seems to me a lot of people mean a lot of different things. Uh, to my mind, it means that we have to deal with the fact that there is enormous disparity uh, between the black community and the white community, and that issue has got to be addressed. And I've indicated to you some of the ways that I think it should be addressed. Well, I think they mean uh, some type of economic empowerment to the African descendants of slaves. But what does that mean, economic empowerment? I just talked about the fact that I would do my best to change the banking system to make sure that we end racism, that we pay attention to distressed communities, that people get the loans they need to make the investments they need. What yeah, about so, free cash payouts? No. How much you want, Sean? agree with that? <laughs> Why don't you agree with that? All right, guys, we are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard. What you just heard was a clip of Bernie Sanders talking to Charlemagne from The Breakfast Club saying that he does not agree with giving reparations to African-Americans or descendants of African slaves. And he says that his policies would actually be the solution of like fixing the banking systems and addressing income inequality. Can um, I ask, is he saying that he doesn't agree or let, is he saying like, I want to know what it looks like? Well, later on in the clip, he actually says flat out, no, I'm not going to cut a check. Okay. So we didn't get to that part. If, we, if folks feel like we need to, we can definitely go back to it. Um, Selena is giving me the big guys, which tells me she definitely wants me to get to it. Um, yeah, no, I mean, that's a great point, Jackie, because I think that in the beginning of the interview, he was just like, what do you mean? What do you mean? And he did the same thing on CNN where they were like, uh, this woman, this black woman asked him directly, do you believe in reparations? And Bernie has continually said, what do you mean? But Stanley has the clip where he says very directly, no, I don't believe or support reparations. So we're going to get to that now. Right. Yeah, about so- free cash payouts. How much you want, Charlotte? <laughs> Why don't you agree with that? Well, I, first of all, uh, you mean just a check to every African-American? Yes. Well, then it's a check to every Native American. 
who were nearly wiped out when the settlers first came there. I think the way we go forward is to build America together. There are distressed communities, white communities. There are distressed Latino communities. Right now, what you have is a government owned and controlled by big money interests who worries about Wall Street and the drug companies. We're going to change that, and we're going to pay attention to the needs of working families and low-income families uh, in this country in a way that you have never seen. All right, guys, we are back again, and Bernie Sanders has explicitly said no, that he's not going to do that, and they're going to work on helping all Americans and getting policies that fix the lives of all Americans. So that is Bernie's stance. For those of you who have known me for a while or just have known me for the last two years, you know that I've had issues with Bernie Sanders and his stance on um, people of color and African-Americans in particular. I will not get into that right now, but no, I got lots of spice in my thoughts at the moment. Instead, I want to open up this panel, open this up to the panel and to all the beautiful people listening on the show right now. Um, if you, if it's at all possible, quick reactions to Bernie's no. And also for you, are you for or against reparations? And if you are for it, who, what should reparations look like? And I'll start with you, Selena. Still, that was like three questions in one. Okay, I'm going to yeah. try to break it down and be quick. Bernie, reaction. I am not surprised. In 2016, he also was very direct about not supporting reparations. Um, I think that it's going to sway maybe a, a handful of people, but I think that... African-Americans, if they have been supportive of Bernie, um, I, I, I don't see a lot, or at least the ones that I've spoken to uh, say that they're going to stop supporting him. Because at this point, I frankly, it, it would be a shock if any presidential candidate uh, really stood for and stood up for reparations and thought that they could actually win the White House, the presidency, by doing that. Again, like you mentioned, Stanley, reparations is not supported by a lot of white Americans, nor is it supported by Republicans and people who want to win some of those blue-collar worker votes, um, some of those you know white votes in middle America. They're not going to say that. So I'm not surprised by Bernie. And honestly, I'll probably still support him. Do we need reparations? Of course. Generational wealth accumulated by white people over centuries uh, has, been system- has been because of systematic oppression and racism. Um, I truly believe that there's no way to truly have racial equality, equity, and healing without some type of reparation. And we'll talk about that later in the show because history has shown that when we have institutionalized and, and, and direct concerted efforts to wipe people out or to, you know, make them property, uh, when this has happened in other groups and communities, we they were repaid, rightfully so. So, you know, I think that it's overdue it's time for african-americans and descendants of slaves to also be you know compensated in some way yeah no no no. i absolutely agree with that um so just to to take the questions in order um i too was not necessarily surprised by bernie sanders position on this issue um bernie sanders has very often and um you know taken this position that we shouldn't necessarily focus on one group and what they need we should focus on the overall economic development i mean this is a man who has made his entire candidacy uh in 2016 um and even going back further than that when he was running for senate about economic economic inequality and the way in which economic inequality affects all people, affects working class people, and also affects people of color. Uh, So it's no surprise to me there that his line would basically be to stay on message and say, well, you know, we don't need to deal with this issue directly. We need to deal with the issue of economic inequality. And once we do, uh, the rising tide lifts all boats. That that doesn't surprise me. Um, Personally, uh, I sort of also fall with Selena. I'm still inclined to support Bernie Sanders because I still think that he is potentially the best candidate in the field, although 
as I mentioned a few shows back when we did our election kickoff, I'm very intrigued by Elizabeth Warren as well. Um, finally, as to the need for reparations, I absolutely agree that there is a need for reparations. I am curious to see what that kind of thing uh, would look like. I don't know if it is simple as cutting a check, although I do think that cutting a check is one element of it. And I will just point out there are a lot of people and a lot of Bernie Sanders supporters, including people of color, that say that it is easy to be lulled into the idea of supporting reparations, but that Senator Sanders makes a valid point, which is not being conveyed well by himself or by the media, and that is that reparations in the form of single lump sum payments will not necessarily diminish racial inequality, um, and it could be just something that's akin to an extra tax refund check, uh, you know, and a real proposal for reparations has to be something more robust and include investments in education, home ownership, business services, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, and for me, I would take that one step further and also needs to include a major criminal justice reform um, and is not necessarily just about money. But I do think money is an important part of it. Yeah. It is not something we should poo-poo away. Yeah, I mean, to agree with both of you, I think that of, I'm not surprised in the least that he's not um, standing for reparations. Although I do wonder if, you know, he's he's clearly trying to get a certain vote, right? He's, he's working to get the white working class vote. Um, I wonder, I mean, we, we seek, not to like defend him at all, but I, I do wonder if he would be supportive of it more if he was in the White House. I think that he's trying to get a certain vote and his his companions like Liz Warren do support it. And, you know, presidents will often say that they don't support something to get the vote. Like I always think of Barack Obama saying that he didn't support marriage equality when obviously he did. Right. But it was to get into the White House. So I, I don't know. But I think that um, I'm not surprised that he doesn't support it. I to the question of whether or not we do. I absolutely do. Um, in my own personal experience, you know, I'm Jewish. I my husband's Jewish and is a descendant from Holocaust survivors. Um, he is eligible for German citizenship based on the fact that he his grandparents both fled Germany during the Holocaust um, I think that is you know Selena touched on the point about healing right that does a lot right the fact that there this is a country that exterminated millions of us and that is now saying you can come back and you can get citizenship and you can you know you belong here um, I think that says a lot about and does a lot to help the healing process right and so obviously like we can't offer something like citizenship to people who are already citizens of this country but there needs to be a major sort of bold step in repairing this very wounded relationship between our country and and black people right who have for so long suffered economically suffered from racism suffered from brutal policies for, suffered from the criminal justice system like we talked about before um and so to stanley's question about what does it look like i agree with you Alyssa. like i don't know that it just looks like cutting a check i think it has to go beyond that and i don't know i'm not the expert here i don't know if it it, it means like free college or you know put sort of like bringing institutional um, access to it. But I think it has to go beyond just simply writing a check. Not that I'm against writing a check, but I think it has to do more. All right. Thanks, guys. So I'm going to try and get my um, um, response in there as well. But I want to give Lisa a chance to read a couple of comments we're getting on Facebook Live. Yes. Yeah, so Amy Jones says cut the check. And she also says, what about Native Americans, which is a point that's raised a lot, obviously. Well, no, she said that. Bernie is saying. And what about, about Native Americans? Okay, sorry. Yeah, I, I read that incorrectly. Um, that is, though, a point that has been raised a lot about, you know, the fact that we have other marginalized groups in this country. Um, but, you know, to Jackie's point, I would say that, yes, we can't give people citizenship in the way Germany's offering citizenship, but black people are still treated as second-class citizens in this country, yeah. and there has to be a moral reckoning about that. Stand. Yeah. Cut the Native Americans that check, too. Yeah, right. So that's, yeah. Th I, I get really annoyed with that kind of argument. What about the Native Americans? Yeah, 
cut them a check and cut them some land. I, I think that my issue with Bernie is that he's not stupid, but he keep he continues to make the argument that if you address income inequality now and the issues we have now that'll help black people, no, like it will have some like improvement. But the fact of the matter is, as Naledi said in one of the comments, she said that like we built this country on our back, and because of the way this country has been set up, African Americans have been set up ten steps behind everybody else when it comes to access to property, education, money, or even just base, basic equity. And Bernie Sanders' things would improve those things, but they'd still be behind everyone else, which is why reparations is important. We can't talk about equality and, and like helping everybody else until you solve the original sin, which affected African Americans and also Native American people. Yeah, I think he started talking about like a rising tide lifts all boats, but yeah. that's not, we know that that's not true equally, right? That like it may be true that it lifts all boats, but not in, to the same level. Yeah, because when that tide starts to go back again, guess who's going to be the first one to suffer the consequences? Mm-hmm. Black people, and that's just a fact of the matter. But now, folks, when we have this conversation about reparations, they usually ask two questions. One, what about Native Americans and everybody else? But then two, who's going to pay for it? Do we expect just people down the block to give their dollars towards this? So how would you fund this? Let's start with Alyssa because she has an interesting way. Right. So, you know, this is interesting. Obviously, most people say that it's got to be taxpayer funded. And that's the reason why reparations a lot of times gets pushback essentially and uh, mostly from white people is because they're like, well, why should I pay for it? My family came over from Italy. My family came over from Ireland. We were subjected to racism and discrimination um, against us when we first immigrated here. We are not, you know, my family did not uh, enslave people on plantations in the South. Why should I have to pay? Why should American taxpayers have to pay? And that then puts them in a position where they want to be against it. And so there was a really interesting article in 2016 in the New York Times. And it is about the fact that there was life insurance policies that New York life insurance took out on slaves. The idea being that... um, New York life insurance was getting started. They needed to sell policies. And so they started selling all these life insurance policies on slaves. And so there's been some proposals to say there are major Fortune 500 companies in this country right now that have made or been able to generate their wealth because of, um, you know, policies on slaves or because of slave labor. And therefore, those companies, they should be the largest group or contributor to a fund that would be to pay reparations. That's not to say that taxpayers as a general whole shouldn't have to pay at all, um, but part of this proposal would be to make to basically look back at the records, the historical records, figure out whose family owned slaves, figure out the way in which wealth has transferred um, from slavery to today, figure out which companies are currently in a position to make uber profits um, because of the fact that they were once uh, controlled by slave labor or once maybe to make all their money on slave labor and make them pay the lion's share of the money that needs to go to reparations and therefore it will not be on the backs of a lot of the taxpayers. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would add to that. I think reparations, again, does not should not come in a form of just a one-time check. I know some of the candidates are positioning, you know, when they talk about reparations, they talk about that. Like um, Kamala Harris, for instance, she said she would give like a $500 rebate back to uh, families who make uh, less than $100,000. And we know a majority, a disproportionate disproportionate amount of those people she would yeah she would get five hundred dollars it's not a lot of money but sh- what she says is that that can help with you know finding a babysitter and you know groceries but and this stuff is like why that. i'm not this is not sorry to jump in but this is why i don't support just cutting a check because yeah, that only five hundred dollars is nothing right i mean i think that it could it could go a certain amount 
of the way, but we're talking about like generations of institutional disenfranchisement of black people. I think that it needs to come in the form of like free college or free, Absolutely. you know, like it, because that, that goes a lot farther. Cut me a check too. <laughs> sure. Sure. Hold on, hold on, Stanley. So you're saying you would, well, well how, how would you quantify that check? So we got to, so let's do it basically like this. Let's talk about the basic field field slave that would work about 16 hours a day, six days a week. If you're doing a minimum wage, let's do it by, let's say, seven seventy-five an hour. It's still going to be a little bit over $1,000 every single week. Let's quantify that, right? Over the life of slavery. And then every person who is a descendant of a slave in America should get all of that non-tax. And then we give them free college tuition. And then we give them housing vouchers. And then we do criminal justice reform. And then we do the other pieces. And then after that, once you've gotten just through slavery, now we got to cut a check for what happened during Jim Crow and the race laws. And that's a whole different kind of conversation because you still got to reimburse us for that. Then once we're done with that piece right there, then you get to the policies that have hurt all black people in general. So in these first two rounds of reparations, I, as a, as a patient of descent, would not get U.S. dollars. But don't worry, France, I'm coming for you. Well, <laughs> I mean, that just goes back to the question of how do you pay for it, right? The yeah. latest estimate was this article in Newsweek, which said it would cost just one round of reparations, not including some of the other institutional things that would need to happen, which I think we all agree need to happen, would cost $13 trillion. So obviously, I said there could be a proposal to make these big companies that benefit from slavery pay for it. You would also need taxpayer dollars. Where else do you find the money to do it? And to do it right, because we don't want to half, you know, take it from the company, take it from the the the, the rich the rich families that got their money from slavery, take it from the U.S. government. Like every everyone is gonna have to pay up. It would be a huge transferal of wealth, which is also why I think you know. Well, I'll tell you, I'll say that for my conclusion. But which is why I think it'll be difficult to get because everyone is giving up coins, and it's not just these companies. It's also whatever European companies that also benefited from American slavery. Everyone has to give it up. <laughs> Jackie, yeah. stop talking. Go ahead. I'm gonna. No, I. I think I have a bigger point, but maybe if we have to go to break, I'll. I'll make it when we come oh, back. Oh, I'm not sure, and, and I'll just say that you know I. I don't disagree with Stanley about the check, but I think that. Uh, the damage that was done to African slaves are ins is insurmountable. I think that we also have to take into account the psychological damage for fact that generations of people could not read and studies show that if you don't read, you're not exercising certain mental functions of the brain and connectivity. So like you can't quantify that. So like, yeah, you can give me 20 million, you can give me 20,000 or $20. It does not account to the damage that was done. You should have your closing. We'll be right back guys. This is let your voice be heard. How many lawyers you how many times you got shot? We are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM WHCR, the voice of Harlem. If you are just tuning in, this is Stanley Fritz. I'm here with Alyssa Fuchs, Selena Hill, and, of course, Jackie Cohen. And we are talking about re reparations and why these people need to run me and my people all of our coins. But when we went on break, Alyssa had a couple of comments she wanted to read. And I know Jackie had, had some things to say as well. So, Alyssa, give us our comments, and let's hear from Jackie. So, Edward Fitzgerald says the rising tide sounds like a trickle-down theory. Uh, I would agree with that comment. <laughs> um, and Amy Jones says, "How do you're right. How do we quantify generational trauma? Um, yeah, I, you can't quantify generational trauma, but you can try. Jackie? No, it's 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 a really good question. And I think that, you know, the, that kind of trauma just doesn't go away. And it's something that you like are burdened with generation to generation. Um, we were. Oh, did you want to ask a question? Yeah, no, because I, I feel like, you know, 
there's a lot of pushback that people get, um, you know, that we hear from people when it comes from reparations. And I feel like, you know, as you touched on, when it comes to the history of reparations for other communities, we've seen it happen, right? I mean, there was some resistance when Germany gave it to um, the Jewish community and Jewish victims, but we also see how well that's played out. And I've read where uh, people of German descent said they actually felt better. It was better. It was more moral process and progress for the country. Right. So, you know, this has been happening throughout generations, but why not for African-Americans? It's a great question. And I think to the point that we were talking about a little bit earlier about these like major corporations that built their wealth largely on slave labor um, to have to pay up for this. I think that's absolutely right. And I think that we also need to be looking at how they're making their money today. Right. Because many of which are still using slave labor or still using or paying people across you know, uh, not maybe not in this country, but are paying people poverty wages to do labor for them overseas. And, you know, this is something that it, it's an issue that still persists to this day. So I think that these are corporations definitely that need to be held accountable um, for past actions, but for current actions as well. I just want to read you another comment that we're getting from Gregory Neesmith. Shout out to Greg. Um, he says, in addition to a lump sum, 400 years of no federal and state income taxes from 2020 to 2420 interest-free mortgages for the next 400 years funding for public elementary schools high schools and historically black colleges and universities that matches the budgets of the best schools in the area and state there's more but that's a start mm. great yeah. point greg so here's my question to you guys now why is there always so much pushback when we talk about reparations for for black people when we've done reparations for japanese internment camps from what i understand there's been some sort of form of reparations for um survivors of the holocaust um, why is there so much pushback on reparations for black people in general? Selena? I think it's because people in this country fail to understand or, or really understand the devastation that has happened. I think for a large part, part this country has been in denial um, of what happened. I think that because our history has been whitewashed so much, you know, children aren't ta taught how much damage has been done in this country and how this country was built on the backs of slaves. Like we still teach our children the Stories about Christopher Columbus, this white man saving the, you know, the savages, the savage Native Americans and building America. And like, you know, we glorify people like President Andrew Jackson, who was the person who stopped the 40 acres and a mule uh, policy from going into effect. So, no, I, I think that when we continue to present history in this way, which presents white people and uh, particularly white men as heroes, and we neglect the fact that many of them were slave owners and holders, um, you get this idea that hey society isn't really that bad for black people you know and you start feeding into those stereotypes and those stigmas that for some reason we call murder on ourselves and that when we run away from cops and get shot in the back nine times we deserved it so i, I think it's just mass ignorance and Bernie Sanders and the rest of the people who run for candidate who want to uh, talk about reparations i really hope they can do a better job in articulating the necessity of it yeah, I think that I I don't even think that it's because people don't want to acknowledge our racist history. I think it's genuinely because white people are afraid of empowered black people, right? Because white people know the history of this country and they know how black people have been treated for generations and they're afraid that that's going to happen to them if black people are to be empowered in this country. And I think that we've seen that we've seen that um, with with like the gun control debate in this country and, and sort of the rise of the the NRA and how they've gotten their power, which was a direct response really to the black 
Panther movement, right? And and the fact that black people were arming themselves legally, we all of a sudden we see the NRA become one of the most powerful lobby organizations in this country because white people were afraid of what were to happen if black people were to get guns, right? Legally. Um, so I don't even think, I think that people know, I think that people genuinely understand that we have a deeply racist history in this country that we're still experiencing to this day. And I think they're afraid of what's going to happen. Um, yes, absolutely. If the, if the playing field is, is leveled out. And, and I just wanted to add because, um, you know, when we talk about, you know, Japanese Americans, that happened in our lifetime. In 1988, it was U.S. President Ronald Reagan who apologized to the U.S. government for the U.S. government for Japanese internment camps. And then they passed an act which paid $20,000 in reparations to over 800,000 victims of internment. That is That equates to $1.1 billion dollars that was initially allocated and then an additional 400,000. So, I mean, if this was, what, 30 years ago when uh, something like this happened, but yet has have African-Americans ever received an apology? Has, has Who has apologized for slavery? I mean, nobody's really apologized. I mean, the point is that we have to have a reckoning. You literally have a situation where the reason why you can't get political support for this is because white people seem to think that black people are just asking for free stuff or Native Americans are asking for free stuff. At no point do well, I guess some white people that are woke figure this out, but the majority of white people don't figure out that, like, hey, nobody's asking for anything that's free. People are asking to be compensated for what was taken from them or what they should have been compensated to begin with. As Stanley points out, even if we figured out the number of hours on average a slave worked and we times that by the current federal minimum wage, you know, that's just compensating people for their labor that they should have been paid for to begin with. We're talking about Native Americans. You have a massive amount of land that was taken, which is a transfer of wealth. Why? Because that land is worth money. And so nobody, nobody is asking for just a free handout. Nobody wants free money. What people are asking for is compensation for past wrongdoings. Yeah. And until we compensate people for past wrongdoings, whether that is in the form of a partial cutting a check and also investing in other things that will lift the you know people out of poverty and especially lift Native Americans and black people out of poverty, we are not going to reckon with the original sin of slavery in this country, which we need to do. Otherwise, racism is going to continue to be perpetuated and racism in America is going to go on and on and on and on and on and we are going to continue to be in the same situation we are in now and we're going to continue to have a criminal justice system that locks up people of color and Native Americans at a far higher rate than white people are locked up so this is all goes back to a reckoning and we have to have this reckoning otherwise we get nowhere in America and eventually you know what's going to have to happen is if we don't deal with this now and in this way there is going to be some kind of civil war in the future there's going to be violence because that is the only way to deal with this issue if it is not dealt with in another way. Well, I mean, it's just for our closings now. Um, Jackie, do you have any final thoughts on this? I think Alyssa said it so well. I think that we as a country need to reckon with this with this original sin of slavery, slavery and with our deeply, deeply racist history, right? And I, there, I don't see how else we can do that. A, a verbal apology at this point is not enough. And I think that to Alyssa's fantastic point, there was labor done to build this country. Work was done for free by black slaves to build this country, to build this country's economy, to build wealth for white people, to build corporations in this country. And it's never been reckoned with. And people who deserved to be paid for that labor never were. And I think that it's fair for the descendants of those people to simply ask to be repaid for the labor that their ancestors did 
to build this country and to make it what it is now. And I, I think that if we are ever going to truly reckon with our racist history as a nation, reparations absolutely need to be put into place. Selena? Um, you know, and it, it extends beyond reparations. I mean, Martin Luther King Jr. was calling for reparations in 1968. But, you know, he and other black leaders have pointed out the fact that even in 1935, the Social Security Act intentionally excluded farmers and domestic workers to occupations that were predominantly black. So basically, while FDR was lifting up white Americans the, from the depths of the Great Depression, black people were intentionally held back. And it's not just with that act. Uh, even uh, less than 2% of $120 billion worth of government back home loans were awarded to uh, also awarded to white people um, pri primarily. So again, these were systems, tools, acts, policies, legislation that intentionally helped white Americans build generational wealth and safety nets. Meanwhile, we were in, uh, intentionally held back. And I, I think that we definitely need an acknowledgement. And honestly, I would start from there because I think that if this country could acknowledge it and could finally apologize and Gregory Nee Smith just commented and said why not put apology in the Constitution I think that's a great idea because that's the step the first step in racial healing I don't want racial healing I want my money <laughs> I want my money I want my land I want my retribution I want my respect and one of the biggest reasons that probably will not happen in my generation is not just because of racism because we know that white people have an intrinsic hatred and fear of black people that's a big piece of it but it's also because of capitalism because if we're really being honest about what you need to do to truly give a reasonable amount of reparations to all the victims of racism, which includes the descendants of African slaves, but also the people who have come into the country since then, like the Caribbean people like myself, the people who come in from Africa, Afro-Latinos, Native Americans, everybody else. You are talking about a transfer of wealth that would destroy white America. It would destroy the United States government. It's too much money. And I think that once you start to have that conversation, if I am a person of power, if I am a powerful white person, if I am a corporation, you know that once you start to have that conversation and you see that you need to do it, it's just the floodgates opening up for you to have to make amends for every mistake you have made. Because like I said earlier, you're not just paying for slavery, which is about 250 years to 300 years, even though there are some documentation showing that slavery lasted until 1960 and some parts of the South. Yes, that's right. 1960. You also had to pay back for Jim Crow. You also had to pay back for what Selena mentioned with the Great Depression, all the all the the financial benefits that people of color were blocked out from. Then we got to talk about 1973 all the way up to 2020 and the criminal industrial complex and the, the war on drugs that has mostly impacted African-Americans and black people in general. And when we get add all those things up, free college tuition, free health care, land, mortgage, not mortgage opportunities, give me a damn house and walk away and a check. They're not ready for that action. So unless folks get it together, the only way we'll get it is, like Alyssa said, bloodshed. So run me my coins before I run them from you. With that being said, we got to get out of here, guys. Um, I'll let Selena close it out because she's better at it. Yeah, absolutely, guys. So thank you so much for everyone who watched and chimed in via Facebook Live. We thank everyone who continued to support us on Patreon. And if you aren't a member on our Patreon account, please sign up. That's patreon.com slash radio. And by giving us a monthly subscription, you will continue to support us and all of our financial needs and necessities as we support the issues and causes that you care about most. Until then... Happy Sunday. Enjoy the rest of your week as we continue to fight the power. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard.